This is day 142 of our daily Bible reading. We will be completing Isaiah chapters 27 through 31. Lord God, as we enter into your presence this morning, may the thoughts of our minds, the meditation of our hearts, the works of our hands be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our God and our Redeemer. Lord, you are so amazing. You have been consistent throughout history. You never change. You offer destruction to the unrighteous, but you also look for their repentance. And when you see them repent, you cease to do harm to them. Lord, you do not delight in the perishing of the wicked, but you want all to come to repentance. And Lord, even us, we are your chosen people, but we still err and we still sin, and we still need to be drawn back to you. Please, Lord, please keep us near to your heart, so that we will not stray from your sight. Please bless the reading of your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. In that day, the Lord will punish Leviathan, the fleeing serpent, with his fierce and great and mighty sword. Even Leviathan, the twisted serpent, and he will kill the dragon who lives in the sea. In that day, a vineyard of wine, sing of it. I, the Lord, am its keeper. I water it every moment, so that no one will damage it. I guard it all night and day. I have no wrath. Should someone give me briars and thorns in battle, then I would step on them. I would burn them immediately, or let them rely on my protection. Let them make peace with me. Let him make peace with me. In the days to come, Jacob will take root. Israel will blossom and sprout, and they will fill the whole world with fruit. Like the striking of him who has struck them, has he struck them? Or like the daughter of his slain, have they been slain? You contended with them by banishing them, by driving them away. With his fierce wind, he has expelled them in the day of the east wind. Therefore, through this, Jacob's iniquity will be forgiven, and this will be the full price of the pardoning of his sin, when he makes all the altar stones like pulverized chalk stones, when ashram and incense altars will not stand. For the fortified city is isolated, a homestead forlorn and forsaken like the desert. There the calf will graze, and there it will lie down and feed on its branches. When its limbs are dry, they are broken off. Women come and make a fire with them, for they are not a people of discernment. Therefore their maker will not have compassion on them, and their creator will not be gracious to them. In that day, the Lord will start his threshing from the flowing stream of the Euphrates to the brook of Egypt, and you will be gathered up one by one, O sons of Israel. It will come about also in that day that a great trumpet will be blown, and those who were perishing in the land of Assyria and who were scattered in the land of Egypt will come and worship the Lord in the holy mountain at Jerusalem. 
Woe to the proud crown of the drunkards of Ephraim, and to the fading flower of its glorious beauty, which is at the head of the fertile valley, of those who are overcome with wine. Behold, the Lord has a strong and mighty agent, as a storm of hail, a tempest of destruction, like a storm of mighty overflowing waters. He has cast it down to the earth with his hand. The proud crown of the drunkards of Ephraim is trodden underfoot, and the fading flower of its glorious beauty, which is at the head of the fertile valley, will be like the first ripe fig prior to summer, which one sees, and as soon as it is in his hand, he swallows it. In that day, the Lord of hosts will become a beautiful crown and a glorious diadem to the remnant of his people a spirit of justice for him who sits in judgment, a strength to those who repel the onslaught at the gate. And these also reel with wine and stagger from strong drink. The priest and the prophet reel with strong drink. They are confused by wine. They stagger from strong drink. They reel while having visions. They totter when rendering judgment. For all the tables are full of filthy vomit, without a single clean place. To whom would he teach knowledge, and to whom would he interpret the message? Those just weaned from milk? Those just taken from the breast? For he says, order on order, order on order, line on line, line on line, a little here, a little there. Indeed, he will speak to this people through stammering lips and a foreign tongue. He who said to them, Here is rest, give rest to the weary, and here is repose, but they would not listen. So the word of the Lord to them will be, Order on order, order on order, line on line, line on line, a little here, a little there. That they may go and stumble backward, be broken, snared, and taken captive. Therefore, hear the word of the Lord, O scoffers, who rule this people who are in Jerusalem, because you have said, We have made a covenant with death, and with Sheol we have made a pact. The overwhelming scourge will not reach us when it passes by, for we have made falsehood our refuge, and we have concealed ourselves with deception. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a tested stone, a costly cornerstone for the foundation, firmly placed. He who believes in it will not be disturbed. I will make justice the measuring line and righteousness the level. Then hail will sweep away the refuge of lies and the waters will overflow the secret place. Your covenant with death will be canceled and your pact with Sheol will not stand. When the overwhelming scourge passes through, then you become its trampling place. As often as it passes through, it will seize you. 
for morning after morning it will pass through, any time during the day or night, and it will be sheer terror to understand what it means. The bed is too short on which to stretch out, and the blanket is too small to wrap oneself in. For the Lord will rise up as at Mount Perizim. He will be stirred up as in the valley of Gibeon, to do his task, his unusual task, and to work his work, his extraordinary work. And now do not carry on as scoffers, or your fetters will be made stronger. For I have heard from the Lord God of hosts of decisive destruction on all the earth. Give ear and hear my voice. Listen and hear my words. Does the farmer plow continually to plant seed? Does he continually turn and harrow the ground? Does he not level its surface and sow dill and scatter cumin and plant wheat in rows, barley in its place and rye within its area? For his God instructs and teaches him properly. For dill is not threshed with a threshing sledge, nor is the cartwheel driven over cumin. But dill is beaten out with a rod, and cumin with a club. Grain for bread is crushed. Indeed, he does not continue to thresh it forever, because the wheel of his cart and his horses eventually damage it. He does not thresh it longer. This also comes from the Lord of hosts, who has made his counsel wonderful and his wisdom great. Woe, O Ariel, Ariel, the city where David once camped. Add year to year. Observe your feasts on schedule. I will bring distress to Ariel, and she will be a city of lamenting and mourning and she will be like an Ariel to me. I will camp against you, encircling you, and I will set siege works against you, and I will raise up battle towers against you. Then you will be brought low. From the earth you will speak, and from the dust where you are prostrate, your words will come. Your voice will also be like that of a spirit from the ground and your speech will whisper from the dust. But the multitude of your enemies will become like fine dust, and the multitude of the ruthless ones like the chaff which blows away. And it will happen instantly, suddenly. From the Lord of hosts you will be punished with thunder and earthquake and loud noise, with whirlwind and tempest and the flame of a consuming fire. And the multitude of all the nations who wage war against Ariel, even all who wage war against her and her stronghold, and who distress her, will be like a dream, a vision of the night. It will be as when a hungry man dreams, and behold, he is eating. But when he awakens, his hunger is not satisfied. Or as when a thirsty man dreams, and behold, he is drinking. And when he awakens, behold, he is faint, and his thirst is not quenched. Thus the multitude of all the nations will be who wage war against Mount Zion. Be delayed and wait. Blind yourselves and be blind. 
They become drunk, but not with wine. They stagger, but not with strong drink. For the Lord has poured over you a spirit of deep sleep. He has shut your eyes, the prophets, and he has covered your heads, the seers. The entire vision will be to you like the words of a sealed book, which when they give it to the one who is literate, saying, please read this, he will say, I cannot, for it is sealed. Then the book will be given to the one who is illiterate, saying, please read this, and he will say, I cannot read. Then the Lord said, Because this people draw near with their words and honor me with their lip service, but they remove their hearts far from me, and their reverence for me consists of tradition learned by rote. Therefore, behold, I will once again deal marvelously with this people, wondrously marvelous, and the wisdom of their wise men will perish and the discernment of their discerning men will be concealed. Woe to those who deeply hide their plans from the Lord, and whose plans are done in a dark place. And they say, Who sees us? Or, Who knows us? You turn things around. Shall the potter be considered as equal with the clay? That what is made would say to its maker, He did not make me? Or what is formed, say to him who formed it, he has no understanding? It is not yet just a little while before Lebanon will be turned into a fertile field, and the fertile field will be considered as a forest? On that day, the deaf will hear words of a book, and out of their gloom and darkness the eyes of the blind will see. The afflicted also will increase their gladness in the Lord, and the needy of mankind will rejoice in the Holy One of Israel. For the ruthless will come to an end, and the scorner will be finished. Indeed, all who are intent on doing evil will be cut off. Who cause a person to be indicted by a word, and ensnare him who adjudicates at the gate? and defraud the one in the right with meaningless arguments. Therefore, thus says the Lord, who redeemed Abraham, concerning the house of Jacob, Jacob shall not now be ashamed, nor shall his face now turn pale. But when he sees his children, the work of my hands in its midst, they will sanctify my name. Indeed, they will sanctify the Holy One of Jacob, and will stand in awe of the God of Israel. Those who err in mind will know the truth, and those who criticize will accept instruction. Woe to the rebellious children, declares the Lord, who execute a plan, but not mine, and make an alliance, but not of my spirit, in order to add sin to sin, who proceed down to Egypt without consulting me, to take refuge in the safety of Pharaoh, and to seek shelter in the shadow of Egypt. Therefore the safety of Pharaoh will be your shame, and the shelter in the shadow of Egypt your humiliation. For their princes are at Zoan, 
and their ambassadors arrive at Haines. Everyone will be ashamed because of a people who cannot profit them, who are not for help or profit, but for shame and also for reproach. The Oracle Concerning the Beasts of the Negev Through a land of distress and anguish, from where come lioness and lion, viper and flying serpent, they carry their riches on the backs of young donkeys and their treasures on camel's humps, to a people who cannot profit them. Even Egypt, whose help is vain and empty, therefore I have called her Rahab, who has been exterminated. Now go, write it on a tablet before them, and inscribe it on a scroll, that it may serve in the time to come as a witness forever. For this is a rebellious people, false sons, sons who refuse to listen to the instruction of the Lord, who say to the seers, You must not see visions, and to the prophets, you must not prophesy to us what is right. Speak to us pleasant words, prophecy illusions. Get out of the way. Turn aside from the path. Let us hear no more about the Holy One of Israel. Therefore, thus says the Holy One of Israel, Since you have rejected this word and have put your trust in oppression and guile and have relied on them, Therefore, this iniquity will be to you like a breach about to fall, a bulge and a high wall, whose collapse comes suddenly in an instant, whose collapse is like the smashing of a potter's jar so ruthlessly shattered, that a sherd will not be found among its pieces to take fire from a hearth or to scoop water from a cistern. For thus the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, has said, In repentance and rest you will be saved. In quietness and trust is your strength, but you were not willing. And you said, No, for we will flee on horses. Therefore you shall flee, and we will ride on swift horses. Therefore those who pursue you shall be swift. One thousand will flee at the threat of one man. You will flee at the threat of five, until you are left as a flag on a mountaintop and as a signal on a hill. Therefore the Lord longs to be gracious to you, and therefore he waits on high to have compassion on you. For the Lord is a God of justice. How blessed are all those who long for him. O people in Zion, inhabitant in Jerusalem, you will weep no longer. He will surely be gracious to you at the sound of your cry. When he hears it, he will answer you. Although the Lord has given you bread of privation and water of oppression, he, your teacher, will no longer hide himself but your eyes will behold your teacher. Your ears will hear a word behind you. This is the way. Walk in it. Whenever you turn to the right or to the left, 
and you will defile your graven images overlaid with silver, and your molten images plated with gold. You will scatter them as an impure thing and say to them, Be gone. Then he will give you rain for the seed which you will sow in the ground, and bread for the yield of the ground, and will be rich and plenteous. On that day your livestock will graze in a roomy pasture. Also the oxen and the donkeys which work the ground will eat salted fodder, which has been winnowed with shovel and fork. On every lofty mountain and on every high hill there will be streams running with water on the day of the great slaughter, when the towers fall. The light of the moon will be as the light of the sun, and the light of the sun will be seven times brighter, like the light of seven days. On the day the Lord binds up the fracture of his people and heals the bruise he has inflicted. Behold, the name of the Lord comes from a remote place. Burning is his anger, and dense is his smoke. His lips are filled with indignation, and his tongue is like a consuming fire. His breath is like an overflowing torrent, which reaches to the neck, to shake the nations back and forth in a sieve, and to put in the jaws of the peoples the bridle which leads to ruin. You will have songs as in the night when you keep the festival, and gladness of heart as when one marches to the sound of the flute, to go to the mountain of the Lord, to the rock of Israel. And the Lord will cause his voice of authority to be heard, and the descending of his arm to be seen in fierce anger, and in the flame of a consuming fire, in cloudburst, downpour, and hailstones. For at the voice of the Lord, Assyria will be terrified when he shakes with the rod. And every blow of the rod of punishment which the Lord will lay on him will be with the music of tambourines and lyres, and in battles, brandishing weapons, he will fight them. For Topheth has long been ready. Indeed, it has been prepared for the king. He has made it deep and large, a pyre of fire with plenty of wood. The breath of the Lord, like a torrent of brimstone, sets it afire. Woe to those who go down to Egypt for help and rely on horses, and trust in chariots because they are many, and in horsemen because they are very strong. But they do not look to the Holy One of Israel, nor seek the Lord. Yet he also is wise and will bring disaster and does not retract his words, but will arise against the house of evildoers and against the help of the workers of iniquity. Now the Egyptians are men and not God, and their horses are flesh and not spirit. So the Lord will stretch out his hand, and he who helps will stumble and he who is helped will fall, and all of them will come to an end together. For thus says the Lord to me, As the lion or the young lion growls over his prey, against which a band of shepherds is called out, 
and he will not be terrified at their voice, nor disturbed at their noise. So will the Lord of hosts come down to wage war on Mount Zion and on its hill. Like flying birds, so the Lord of hosts will protect Jerusalem. He will protect and deliver it. He will pass over and rescue it. Return to him from whom you have deeply defected, O sons of Israel. For in that day every man will cast away his silver idols and his gold idols, which your sinful hands have made for you as a sin. And the Assyrian will fall by a sword not of man, and a sword not of man will devour him. So he will not escape the sword, and his young men will become forced laborers. His rock will pass away because of panic, and his princes will be terrified at the standard, declares the Lord, whose fire is in Zion and whose furnace is in Jerusalem. All right, we haven't had a reading like that in a while in terms of length, but we still have things to talk about here that are very important, and there's some very beautiful passages today. So let's start off with chapter 27. So at the very beginning of chapter 27, he refers to Leviathan. Last time we saw Leviathan was in the Psalms and in Job. Now, Leviathan, I believe, is a dinosaur. And the reason why I think that is because back then, they did not call them dinosaurs. That was actually an invention closer to the 1900s than anything else. Before then, all creatures of that type were called dragons. And so this is a dragon in the sea that is being referred to here. While the creature described here is real at this time, he's not saying that he's contending with a literal dragon. He's using this as symbolism for the people that are opposing God, the ones that are his enemies. The prophecies of the end times declare that there will be a final battle. The final battle will be when Satan will come out of his 1,000-year imprisonment in hell, and then he will want to do one final battle against God before he is cast down forever. So it seems to be depicting that time, and then it shows that the nation of Israel will be prosperous after that showing that, for example, in verse 9. Therefore, through this, Jacob's iniquity will be forgiven, and this will be the full price of the pardoning of his sin. And he will make all the altar stones like pulverized chalk stones, when ashram and incense altars will not stand. So, it's as if that chalk stones being a very, you know, powdery, brittle stone, you know, like you imagine what you have with a chalkboard, that's going to be the very nature of all the idolatry that is in Israel. They're all going to pulverize all their idols into dust and no longer return to idolatry. It also says here in verses 12 and 13, In that day the Lord will start his threshing from the flowing stream of the Euphrates to the brook of Egypt, and you will be gathered up one by one, O sons of Israel. It will come about also in that day 
that a great trumpet will be blown, and those who are perishing in the land of Assyria and who are scattered in the land of Egypt will come and worship the Lord in the holy mountain of Jerusalem. So it's depicting a future regathering of the nation of Israel. Now, whether or not this is a literal regathering, it, it doesn't seem to be. It seems to be more of the regathering of the spiritual children of Israel, which includes Gentiles, includes you and me. So I think that's what it's more referring to than anything else, because if this is indeed at the end times, this doesn't seem to make sense, because Israel has already been regathered as a nation, and that was fulfilled elsewhere in Scripture. But I don't think it's depicting this. I could be wrong, but that's what it appears to be. Now, in chapter 28, we begin with a judgment on Samaria. Samaria and Israel are like cousins, because if we recall, after Solomon died, then the nation of Israel, the largest it had ever been, was split into two, the southern kingdom of Judah and the northern kingdom of Israel. When Assyria conquered Israel, it said in the Chronicles that we read that they replanted different peoples into this land, and then they also allowed Israelites to be there too that were preaching this God, because they thought that God was a local God of that area. So they ended up being a mixed breed of Hebrew and secular groups. That's why when we read the New Testament and we see the time of Jesus, the, the Samaritans are very hated because they are viewed as traitors and half-breeds. And so they are in some way related, but not completely. And so we know that they are going to be wiped out completely by Assyria. Now the reason why it shows Ephraim as being the chief tribe affected by this instead of just Samaria in general is because the capital was Samaria, and that's in the territory of Ephraim. And if we remember the line of kings in those days, there were never any good kings in Samaria. So this is showing the judgment that will come to them. Not only because the kings were corrupt, but also their prophets were corrupt, and we saw that as well. I mean, like it's saying here that those will reel with wine and strong drink, the priest and the prophet reel with strong drink. They're confused, they stagger from strong drink, they're giving visions that are not real. They are trusting in the wrong things, and they are intoxicated by their lust. Therefore, the Lord will pronounce judgment on all of them. Like it says in verse 15, Because you have said, we have made a covenant with death. They trust in other people, other things like the Assyrians, instead of God. And then they say they trust in Sheol as well, that they have made a pact with Sheol. It may, we don't know, but it may involve necromancy, black magic involving death. So we don't really know. But in response to this, he pronounces again another prophecy of the Messiah. This scripture is referenced more than once in the New Testament by the apostles. So this is certainly one to remember. 
Therefore, thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a tested stone, a costly corner stone, for the foundation firmly placed. He who believes in it will not be disturbed. Or you'll see in the New Testament, it will not be disappointed. This is Jesus Christ. He is the corner stone. And if we trust in him, he will not disappoint and we will not be disturbed by the things of this world. They will try to, but they will have no effect on us. Not to mention, he is a tested stone. And he was tested by the trials he did in the wilderness, being tempted by Satan. He was tried in front of Pilate, and he still proved to be blameless. So he was tested in every way. Okay, so now when we go to chapter 29... It may seem a little confusing at first, because he mentions Ariel. We've never seen this name before. What is Ariel? Well, this whole section is dedicated to a judgment on Judah, the southern kingdom. As we saw from history, that they were the last group to be conquered, because they had some godly kings in their midst. But now, God is referring to them as Ariel. Now, in Ariel... The Hebrew word Ariel is a hearth, an altar hearth to be exact. That is kind of a, an altar that you would make burnt offerings and stuff on. And so he is calling Jerusalem an altar hearth, one that there will be sacrifices made on Jerusalem. That's why God says that he calls Jerusalem Ariel, and then at the end here in verse 2 he says, I will make you like an Ariel. Now he's referring to a particular thing. And he's going to say that there will be a pillaging of Jerusalem, there will be destruction, there will be an exile, but it won't last forever. Then we see in a very interesting vision here in verse 11, the entire vision will be to you like the words of a sealed book. When they give it to the one who is literate, the one who can read, saying, please read this, and he will say, I cannot, for it is sealed. Then the book will be given to one who is illiterate, saying, please read this, and he says, I will not read. So there's a reason why he's saying that, because he's about to get into it. And because what God is going to say is related to it. So what is he trying to tell us here? The entire vision will be to you like the words of a sealed book. So it's almost as if there is a responsibility of someone to read this book, and then they're making excuses, or they're only acting in a way that is convenient to them. And that's why he goes into more detail here, beginning in verse 13, and this is one that Jesus will quote later during his time with the Pharisees. Then the Lord said, because this people draw near with their words and honor me with their lip service. Meaning, it is empty ritual. Their lips are moving, but nothing of substance is coming out of them. But their hearts are removed far from me. You say all the right things, but your heart is not there. And their reverence for me consists of tradition learned by rote. Through, through repetition, through training. But it, there's no substance to it. You're, what you are practicing is just tradition 
but it doesn't mean anything. There's no heart in it. And we know that God looks at the heart, and that's his primary focus. So, empty religion. Therefore, behold, I will once again deal marvelously with this people, wondrously marvelous. And that is through Jesus Christ himself. So we have to be very careful not to be in this category. Do we do what we do listening to this podcast, going to church, all this? Do we do it just because it's what we've learned to do? Do we do it because it's tradition? Do we do it because that's what I'm supposed to do? Do we walk in the doors of our church, go find a seat, and just go through the motions? If we're doing that, we are dishonoring the Lord. It is that simple. He does not want empty ritual. That does not please him. What pleases him is a heart that is completely his. So you need to devote yourself to the Lord, not because out of compulsion, because he's telling you to, but because you want to, because you love him, and you want to show your affection for him. So the worst thing you can do is be a hypocrite, honoring with your lips, but your heart is far from him. Chapter 30 is a judgment against Judah for having an alliance with Egypt. And this is a warning to Hezekiah as well, because if we read what happened before, Hezekiah was trying to seek an alliance with Egypt against Assyria. And that did not end well. So his point is in all this is that, why would you trust in Egypt when you have me? Why don't you come to me for protection instead of trusting in horses and military of another country? I am all necessary for your success. Why would you do that? And so he's upset that they would trust in Egypt, which, again, he sees things from a bigger scale than we do. Egypt is the one who enslaved you for hundreds of years. Why would you want to run back to them? They're not there for your best interest. And then, not only does he condemn that alliance, but beginning in verse 15, he shows the alternative. And this is what he desires. So there's no guesswork here about what God wants. He's making it very clear what he wants here. What does he say? In repentance and rest, you will be saved. So you are to repent and you are to rest. Wait on the Lord. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. God will take care of you, having that confidence in him. In quietness and trust is your strength. But you were not willing. That's why. That's why you're having these problems. Because these are the solutions, but you don't want to do them. And you said, no, for we will flee on horses. And then they, they start doing all that stuff. But here's the heart of God in all of this. They are resisting his will. But this is where God is coming from. Verse 18. The Lord longs to be gracious to you. He wants to show you his affection. Therefore, he waits on high to have compassion on you. 
for the Lord is a God of justice. How blessed are all those who long for him. This is the key. The Lord longs to be gracious to you. He's not a big kid in heaven with a magnifying glass just looking to zap you. He's not looking at you from heaven with his finger over the smite button waiting to press it. He doesn't want to harm you. He does not want evil to befall you. He wants to be gracious to you. He wants to shower you with his love and grace. And he waits for you to repent so that he can show you compassion. You can't have one without the other. He is a God of love, but he is a God of justice. So his love is perfect. His justice is perfect. He will love you with an everlasting love, but he will also punish you with an everlasting punishment if you do not obey him and you do not know him. This is serious business. And he's telling you right now, you are blessed if you long for him, if you have that affection for God that only the Holy Spirit can give you. That is the key to your success. Only those who are saved by his grace will have this. Then we see in verse 19, through the rest of the chapter, we see it going into the millennium again. And this is more, it seems also like some of this could also be just with the um, entry of Jesus into the world the first time. But the most of it seems to be what will happen at the end times. The inhabitants of Jerusalem, you will weep no longer. He will surely be gracious to you at the sound of your cry. When he hears it, he will answer you. Although the Lord has given you bread of privation and water of oppression, he, your teacher, will no longer hide himself, but your eyes will behold your teacher. So, for one, we got to see God in the flesh, right? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was the visible Lord. In addition, though, it says that God will reside with us in the end times. That, and he will be our light for all eternity. We will be able to fellowship with Christ in the physical sense in the end times. How beautiful that is. It just brings me to great joy just thinking about that. Now, verse 26 is interesting because if you read 2 Peter, he talks about that the world was first destroyed by water through the flood of Noah. But the second time and the final time that the world will be destroyed before the new heavens and the new earth come into play, the world will be destroyed by fire. And so it seems to be, so there's something related to that here. At least that's what I get out of it. Will something happen to Earth's orbit, perhaps, that will cause this to happen and will cause this heat to happen? Is this tied somehow to Peter's uh, proclamation of destruction? I don't know, but it might be. It says the light of the moon will be like the light of the sun, and the light of the sun will be seven times brighter, like the light of seven days, on the day the Lord binds up the fracture of his people and heals the bruise he has inflicted. That's when he's going to take his people home, when he's going to rapture them. 
when he's going to rescue his people from this earth, and then he pronounces judgment against it. This might be symbolic of some fashion, but this may be very literal. That there might be something on a cosmic scale that is going to happen to the earth that is going to cause it to be melted by heat. Very interesting. Now, a good thing to note here as well as at the very end of chapter 30, verse 33, for Topheth has long been ready. Topheth is a particular place. Topheth is, in the Hebrew, means the place of burning. And this is the other name for something called the Valley of Hinnom. Now, the Valley of Hinnom is somewhere that has a very dark past. This is the place which is in the southwest corner of Jerusalem where the false god Molech was worshipped. So if we remember what Molech was famous for, he was famous for children and infants being passed through the fire. Basically, abortion and child murder in order to satisfy this god. Ugly, ugly thing. One of the most sickening things in all of history, I think. And it's still being worshipped today in the name of abortion. So this is what it's referring to here, in that the pyre of fire with plenty of wood, the breath of the Lord, like a torrent of brimstone, sets it afire. That's part of the reason why Jerusalem will be wiped out, because of their worship of Molech. And so, you love Molech so much, you love all this burning? Well, this is going to be symbolic of the burning you're going to have when Jerusalem is judged. Then we go to chapter 31, and you see more imagery about how Egypt is not going to be the solution for this nation, but God is the one that will defend his people. God is wise, he is like a lion, and he is also like birds that protect their nest. And that's the kind of illustration you see here, that he is wise, he knows what to do, and he's capable of doing it. He is strong and cunning like a lion. He doesn't waver or lack courage. And he is very protective of his people, like a bird protecting their nest. And that's the kind of imagery you see here. He offers one final act of repentance. Verse 6, return to him from whom you have deeply defected. Ouch. I don't know if we can say that we've been there, but I think we have. Anytime that we choose our will over his, we have defected. And sometimes we have defected to such a degree that we would consider it deeply defected, or we've gone seasons away from God. We don't want to be that, but he does offer us returning to him, repentance. For in that day, the day that they repent, every man will cast away his silver idols and his gold idols, which your sinful hands have made for you as a sin, and they will be wiped out. Cast away your idols. No more idolatry. It will result in nothing good. Pursue the Lord, repent, and come back to him. That's what he asks for the nation, and he also asks that of us. Repentance is available while he may be found. So let's not waste this opportunity. There is work to be done. 
and we need to be ready and willing to do the work. And we can't do it if we're double-minded. We're worshiping ourselves or something else, and we're trying to say that we worship the Lord at the same time. It's just not going to work. God will not bless it. And with that, that's all that I have for today. Thank you for listening. I'm Ryan, and we'll see you next time. Take care, and God bless you.